Welcome, and this is the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. This is Pastor Josh. I want to thank you for joining me. I am glad to share this time with you today. At Valley View Friends Church, we are learning how to live as God's people, concerned with reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church, look us up on our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. I would encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. That way you can always get the next episode. Now let's turn our attention to this week's message. I'm just going to start with a question for you to consider is, what are you afraid of? What makes you afraid? We all have... uh, Maybe what we might call silly fears, childhood fears. I had a friend, a childhood friend, who was afraid of daddy long leg spiders. There was just something about those long, whispery legs that spooked him. I had another friend who was afraid of clowns. And to this day, he gets uneasy even at the mention of a clown. Uh, My wife, Betsy, she does not like rodents, especially rats. And me, well, you know, if I'm honest, and I think all of us are this way, there's a lot of things that make us a little uneasy or fearful. Me, snakes and caves. Don't like either one of those, and heaven forbid we ever put the two together and we have a cave of snakes. Oh, terrible. My dog, Sophie. She's rather fearless. I think that's something amazing about her. She's one of the most confident dogs I've ever met. But for the longest time, she had a fear, a fear of the guitar. Whenever I would get out the guitar, I have no idea why, she would tremble and shake and want to get away. Even if I got out just the case for the guitar, she would run. Now she's over that. She's fine around guitars. So there's a lot of odd things that make us afraid. But what is it that makes you afraid? And all of us have something very serious that makes us afraid. Fear is certainly a powerful emotion, and it makes us do some strange things. It is written that Louis Pasteur was reported to have such an irrational fear of dirt and infection that he refused to shake hands with people. President and Mrs. Benjamin Harrison were so intimidated by the newfangled electricity that was installed in the White House that they dared not to touch the light switches. If there were no servants around to turn off the lights when the Harrisons went to bed, they slept with the lights on. It is funny what a fear will cause us to do or not do. Now, perhaps you're listening and you say, you know what, I'm not afraid. I don't have any fears. Oh, good for you. But I think we all have something we're afraid of. I know we do. We all have, and the reason I say I know we all have a fear is we all have something or someone we love. And fear sneaks in when what we love is threatened. Now, the theme this year at Valley View, in our teaching, in our worship services, all around the word holy. You and I are to worship a holy God. And he has called us to be his holy people. And today I want to start this new series facing key emotions that many of us struggle with. Emotions like fear, anger, grief, and shame. And when these emotions run wild, they bar us from the holiness. They bar us from getting deeper into the presence of God. And they bar us from becoming a holy people. 
However, these emotions are not all bad. Because when they are treated appropriately, they can bring an honesty that takes us into the presence of God in a way we could never expect. Now, I, I want to acknowledge, we live in a time where emotions can seem to rule the day. Our culture tells us that whatever we feel is what is real. And so feelings are equated to truth. And while feelings are important and valuable, they do not always lead us to the truth. I suspect that many people chose, choose to go with their feelings rather than to dig for truth, to do the hard work. Emotions that are allowed to rule our lives, they will mislead us. And emotions brought under the Lordship of Christ, well, they become a gift of God. And that's the thing I really want to talk about as we start, is we need to preface this whole series by realizing that emotions, they're created by God. He created us to be emotional beings. He built into each one of us the capacity for happiness, for anger, for fear, for grief, the full range of emotions. Our emotions are a God-given gift. And emotions are an essential way that you and I bear the image of God. It's important for you to remember that, emo- that the emotions that you and I experience are the same ones that God experiences. Though God experiences these emotions perfectly and rightly, we experience emotions under the curse of sin. Walter Han- uh, Hansenen writes this, I am spellbound by the intensity of Jesus' emotions. Not a twinge of pity, but heartbroken compassion. Not a passing irritation, but terrifying anger. Not a silent tear, but groans of anguish. Not a weak smile, but a static celebration. Jesus' emotions are like a mountain river cascading with clear water. And my emotions, he writes, are more like a muddy foam or a feeble trickle. So because our emotions are God-given... We need to rethink how we approach emotion, especially what we might call negative emotions. You and I might prefer happiness over fear or anger, but what we might call a negative emotion is not a sign of failure or spiritual failure. There is actually such a thing as holy anger or holy fear, even holy sadness and holy grief. I would contend Jesus showed us holy grief several times in the Gospels, but it's not lost on me that the shortest verse in the entire Bible is of the emotion of Jesus. It simply says there in the Gospel of John that Jesus wept. It's Jesus feeling grief. We should realize emotions, when they're of God, help us to love the right things. Even anger, sadness, and grief can be important expressions of faith. The problem arises when we let our emotions rule. Perhaps you're listening in now and you can sense that you're being ruled by grief or anxiety or anger, even ruled by the high that comes from happiness. And when that happens, our emotions can be barriers to seeking the holiness of God. But when respected as God's gift, our emotions deepen our relationship with God. So today I want to address fear. So fear on its own is a terrible master that robs you of life. However, fear 
is actually meant to point you to God and to deepen your faith. I want to direct your attention to Psalm 20, and in particular, verse 7. This scripture speaks about where we put our trust, and fear runs out of control when our trust is placed in the wrong things or in the wrong place. So, Psalm 20, verse 7 says this, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Now, not too many people today put their trust in chariots or horses. Uh, It helps to know that chariots and horses were the technology that ruled the battlefield. They were were cutting edge. They were the best. They represented power and self-sufficiency. A ruler who had chariots held the power to protect their people and themselves. Psalm 20 speaks instead of that, of trusting in the name of the Lord, trusting in his authority and his power. Unhealthy fear forgets the authority of God. So listen to Psalm 20 now in full and catch the ways that hope is placed in the Lord and listen maybe for a couple of the ways we place it other places. So Psalm 20, now beginning in verse 1. May the Lord answer you, When you are in distress, may the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. Now this I know, the Lord gives victory to his anointed He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Lord, give victory to the king. Answer us when we call. That psalm calls us to trust in the Lord's protection, to trust his help, to trust his remembrance, to trust his acceptance, to trust the many gifts that he has for you, to trust that he is victorious, to trust his name. You and I are called to trust the Lord, especially in his name. Fear tells us things. We need to remember this. When fear goes wrong, we listen to the wrong things that fear tells us. When it goes right, we're listening to how we are to trust the Lord. God has given each of us the gift of emotions, and they serve a purpose, some for enjoyment and some as a warning, and fear has a healthy purpose. Now, you might say that it's a warning of danger, and perhaps it is, but fear tells you, firstly, that something you value is under threat. What fear really tells you is what your treasure is. And that's important because Jesus told us in Matthew 6, 21, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As long as your treasure is good and balanced, then there's no problem. You should treasure God, treasure life, and treasure family. Winston Smith writes this, though. Your fears are probably the best single map of what you actually value. Fear points directly to what we treasure. Good fear 
that is compatible and driven by faith flows from love for God and God's people. Good fear will lead you straight to God. Bad fear is going to reveal when you have treasured something you shouldn't or treasured something too much. So fear tells you what you value. Um, and it tells you what you value and that it's under threat. Um, but fear also tells you how to act. Uh, fight or flight. That's a famous uh, phrase used to describe human response to danger. We, we fight it or we fly from it. Uh, and that's what we do when what we treasure is under threat. Winston Smith writes, Fear motivates us to seek safety to seek control, or to seek certainty. Those three words, uh, if you've ever been struggling with fear, I think you could probably identify times when you fought hard for safety, fought hard for control of the situation, or fought hard to be certain of what would come next. In dangerous moments, these are good. Those are great responses to seek safety, control, and certainty. But they can go bad quickly when fear becomes our master. If you're saying, I'll do whatever it takes to be safe, to be in control, or to be certain, that's going into an unhealthy territory. It's an unhealthy way to grasp at safety, control, and certainty. And Winston Smith writes again, anything pursued at all costs will cost more than you can afford. Safety is great until you cling so tightly to it that you are no longer willing to step out of your comfort zone. A want for control or certainty can easily become ugly demands for total control and absolute certainty where we were never meant to have it. There is the danger of fear. Because fear tempts you and me to trust ourselves Instead of God. When fear uh, rears its head and you find in yourself a desperation for that safety and control and certainty, it could be in that moment. Um, I want to be careful with this, but I, I do know this to be true. I've wrestled with fear a lot myself, anxiety, actually. Um, when it's ruling, when it's dominating you, by succumbing to that fear and letting it can become your master, by letting it become your master, you're accusing God of not having the situation in hand, of not having your best interest at heart. See, that's the problem when fear becomes your master, is that it makes accusations of God and it lets you live by those accusations. And it's just not true. God does have the situation in hand, and he does have your best interest at heart. He is in control. Winston Smith writes again, In this fractured life, you will never be completely safe. You'll never be fully in control or 100% certain of what will come next. You're never meant to be. Instead, dangers, dependency, and uncertainty are signposts that point us to a person, the one whose control and utter certain character are our real and only safety. Your only true path to safety lies in trusting God. William Gernwall says this, We fear men so much because we fear God so little. Proverbs 1-7 tells us this, The fear of the Lord is 
is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Holy fear invites you to draw near to God. But fear, when it's um, an unhealthy master, it urges us to cling to others or, strangely, to push them away. Another quote from Winston Smith. You'll hear me quoting him quite a bit today. Fear shared honestly, without manipulative intent, can greatly strengthen relationships. Nothing so powerfully quenches the fire of fear as the presence of someone that we trust. So fear does a bunch of things, and things that are actually pretty good. Tells you what you treasure, tells you what you trust, and it tells you how to respond when what you treasure is in danger. So what do you do? Well, turn fear from an unwanted master into something that serves you. So when you feel fear, take that as a moment. I know it's hard to do in the, in the, when you're in the grasp of fear, but take that as an opportunity to let that fear show you what you really treasure. I mean, fear can be a tool, a, a measuring stick, a barometer, because sometimes we treasure something that we should hate, like sin. And that fear rises up when a, in us when we feel that we'll be found out or that we'll lose access to that habit. When really, we should hate that thing, that sin. Sometimes fear can expose a bad treasure. Sometimes fear can expose something we treasure that's good, but we treasure it too much. Our work, our family, something else. There are many good things that we can treasure too much. So fear can be turned into something that serves us and pushes us to God when we let it become a measure of our treasure. We can also use fear to lean into faith. You know, fear makes you crave safety and control and certainty, and that leads to two gut responses. A lot of people will throw themselves into working out the situation. I'll just work at it until I get control and we can get out of this. I'm going to do everything possible to stop the problem. And that puts faith in yourself. Or a lot of us, when we get into a situation of fear, we freeze up, we stop, we avoid, we delay, we isolate. And that becomes our response because we're worried of facing the pain of the fear, worried about what will happen. And that takes faith out of the responsibilities that God has given you. In both cases, the solution is to lean into faith. It might mean stopping and resting and trusting in God, or it might mean doing instead of avoiding and trusting God. So, fear, it can help us measure our treasure. And fear should help us lean into faith. How do you know when fear has gone wrong? Or our treasure is misplaced. Well, there's a couple of practical things that will happen. If your fear is misplaced and you're experiencing it, um, you'll isolate yourself. Or you might get angry. You might push people away that you love. You might push God away or avoid Him. You might do all of those things. One more quote from Winston Smith. No matter what, God can be trusted with your treasures. And every fear ought to drive us straight toward the Lord in prayer, obedience, and fellowship. 
So I take from it, if you're experiencing a fear that's uh, driving you away from God, that's not helping you grow in the Lord, then the fear's gone wrong. It's becoming a master. Or maybe the treasure's misplaced. The promise of Scripture is that God loves you and that God is with you. Unhealthy fear denies that promise. But it's all over the place. I just want to share two scripture verses that talk about God being with you. Joshua 1.9 says this, and it's God speaking. He says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And then Matthew 28.20 is Jesus speaking. And it says this, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. <sighs> Scripture promises that God is with you. Will you trust that? There's a story of a man who hid for 32 years, fearing punishment of some pro-Nazi wartime activity that he had been. And, uh, he used to cry in those years of hiding when he heard the happy voices outside. But he dared not show himself, even, to, even at his mother's funeral. His name was Genez Rus. He was a young shoemaker when he went into hiding at his sister's farmhouse in June of 1945. He was found 32 years later, after she brought, bought a large supply of bread in a nearby village of Zalna. He said, if I had not been discovered, I would have remained in hiding, and I would never have left the house, and I could only look down at the village in the valley. It was sadness that he was living out for years and years in that fear. Unholy fear will rob you of life. It will paralyze you. It will keep you from receiving the blessing of God. That fear wants to keep you from the holy presence of God. So do not let fear win. Instead, choose to trust the promise of God that he is with you and that he is for you. Will you trust him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we each are prone to have treasure that we shouldn't. And that means we're prone to fear as a master instead of you. Help each of us to place our trust not in chariots, but in you, Lord, completely in you. Lord, I want to pray specifically for those today who are bound up in their fears. They're paralyzed by them. They're dominated by them. And Lord, I ask that you would release them and that they would make you the treasure of their hearts and that they truly would trust that you are for them and with them. Everywhere they go, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.